You are listening to Koinonia Church, where we are igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all. Baptisms are always so incredible, such an incredible reminder of the grace of God. And uh, when, whenever we baptize and we hear people give their a little bit of their story, a little bit of encouragement, it's just like, man, it's like the Lord is speaking to us. And uh, so many powerful stories of God's transforming power. Um, that's, that's why we come to the Lord, because we don't have the answer in ourselves. We didn't work ourselves into the presence of God. He simply came and he rescued us out of the dominion of darkness and, and brought us into his wonderful light. And we get to celebrate that today. I, I know that whenever we do baptisms like this on a morning uh, like this morning, that uh, there are some that are here uh, as part of the congregation that you need to be baptized and you haven't done that for whatever reason. Maybe you've been uh, hesitant, you've been embarrassed, you don't feel like you're ready. And I just want to encourage you this morning. You might have felt stirred, like I need to do that. And I'm going to say that's, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you and you need to respond. Uh, Peter says uh, in Acts chapter 2, uh, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, for the forgiveness of your sins. And the baptism is not just uh, an, a thing that we optionally choose because we feel like it's our next step. Baptism is actually part of the obedience, uh, pro the obedient process of uh, doing what the Lord has asked us to do. And so if you need to be baptized, I'm going to encourage you, get baptized, sign up to be baptized. Uh, and uh, the way that you can uh, let us know so that we remind you of the next time we'll do that, which, by the way, we'll be doing it more often in 2024 because uh, we're having such an incredible response uh, th that uh, we're going to try to do that at least every other month, if not every month. But uh, this connection card that we already mentioned is a great way just to let us know, hey, I do need to be baptized. I am responding. Put your name here. Check off that box. Uh, and, and make sure it goes to guest services or in one of the, the, the boxes in the back of the room, and we'll make sure that you get on the list for next time and get reminded. Okay, you hear me? Okay, awesome. I also want to just uh, let you know there's a few copies of The Prodigal God, which is our book of the month, uh, that's available at guest services this morning. And so if you want to uh, be a part of that and uh, read something that will encourage your faith, help you to grow in your faith, uh, that is a great way to do that. That little book, uh, which is an easy read by Timothy Keller, it's, I think it's $12. We have maybe eight copies left uh, back there. It will explain to you the 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 parable or the story that Jesus told of the prodigal son. And it'll open that up to you in a way that you've never understood it before because it's not only about the son, it's about the father, it's about the brother, it's about every character in that story. And you'll see yourself in all of those positions and, and your understanding of how uh, Jesus works in us in this moment through that, that parable is so very important. So pick that up if you're interested. We're going to conclude this morning uh, our series in 1 Corinthians called Making Room. And if you're here today because you were uh, here celebrating maybe with a family member or a friend that was baptized today, again, I just want to say welcome to you. We believe that God is alive today, that he's here in the house, that he's speaking to every person that is, uh, that is here, and he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to talk to you this morning. And so I, I do believe that in the next few minutes, and, and I've got about 30 minutes, and, and, and so, so for some of you are saying, thank God Pastor Andrew doesn't have the, his full time. Uh, and, and so we're going we're gonna to move fast this morning, and we're going to conclude our series by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so if you brought your Bible, you can turn there. 
to 1 Corinthians 15. You can do that on, on your phone. We'll have all the verses. We'll have all the notes this morning. Uh, they're available, as always, in our Church Center app, and, uh, and that way you can follow along, take all, all the notes. I'm going to talk to you this morning about uh, the death of death, and I think it's so imp it just appropriate that we happen to end on this chapter uh, on the week of baptisms. Uh, chapter 15 is all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the Apostle Paul is teaching the church at Corinth uh, some essentials to our faith that they seem to have forgotten. I love the church at Corinth because they're kind of messed up. They remind me a lot about me. Uh, they remind me a lot of my church because we're kind of messed up and we need help. Anybody in, in the house identify with that? I think we, we need God to help us. And I love that the, the Apostle Paul, who planted this church in Corinth, and then he's writing this letter to them, uh, he's like a, a loving father. He, he tells them, hey, guys, listen, keep going. You're doing so good, but you need to adjust some things. Uh, you, you need to bring this back into alignment. And chapter after chapter, he addresses them with, with kindness and with love, but also with kind of like the backhand of fellowship saying, hey, guys, get it straight here. Don't forget the essentials of what I have taught you. And chapter 15 is exactly that. He's actually very strongly reminding them and telling them that they should not get too far away from the gospel. They should not get too far away from the resurrection of Jesus, uh, lest they miss what God has established in their house. Now, I'm, I'm just going to begin by reading to you uh, the first 11 verses, and we're kind of going to work our way through this chapter, and, and I think it's going to speak to you today because the resurrection of Jesus is critical and essential to our faith. It's not optional. It's not a spiritual idea, but it's actually a reality of something that happened historically speaking. And without it, we don't really have our faith. So look here, verse 1 simply says this. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that is Peter, uh, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But the grace of God, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now, there's a lot here uh, in, in these 11 verses, but I want to focus on what Paul is saying to the church about the resurrection of Jesus. And so if you're taking notes, uh, you can write this down uh, simply that in this section, what he's talking about is that Christ has been raised. Christ has been raised. Now, what Paul wants the church to know in Corinth and what he doesn't want them to ever forget is that, number one, hearing and receiving the gospel is what saves you. Hearing and receiving the gospel 
is what saves you. He says there in verse one, I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and in which you stand and by which you are being saved. Now, what is the gospel? It's important for us to understand when Paul speaks about the gospel, what the gospel is. The gospel, that word is actually just a very old English word that simply means good news. Now, the good news that we're talking about is not just any good news, it's very specific good news. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. So when we talk about the gospel that Paul says, hey listen, you have to understand the gospel because when you hear it and you receive it, he's actually talking about what I came to you, what I delivered to you, what I preached to you, which is what he just then begins to restate to them. It's critical for us to understand what it is that saves us. What it is that we believe in Jesus, what it is that we we believe it means to follow the Lord. Now, here's simply what the gospel is. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news that Jesus was sent from God down from heaven to become a man and live a perfect life so that he could pay the ultimate price through his death to set us free from the penalty that we all deserve because of our sin. If I were to summarize that even more, it simply is this, that Jesus came to rescue us. He came to rescue you, and he came to rescue me and to restore us back into relationship with God the Father. Because we chose our own way. Because we decided a different way. We decided that we knew better than God, and we turned away from him, and we were living in our own direction. And even when we were enemies with God, God sent his son to die for us so that we could be restored back into relationship with him. That's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is not that you would try to be good, that you would try to do good, that you try to be better, and that you would try to do better so that God would finally accept you. That's not the gospel. That's works. That's trying to work together. I just want to tell you, the gospel, which is the good news, is the test has been canceled. doesn't matter what you do. There are no Fs. If you come to Jesus, he makes it an A+. He lets you into relationship with him. That his life given for you means that you can live a life that you don't deserve because he came and he lived a life that we could not live. He died a death that we deserve in our place so that we could be restored into relationship with God. That's good news. You don't earn it. You can't. You simply receive it. You simply say, God, I need it. Would you please help me? Would you rescue me? I need a change. Didn't we hear that over and over again in the tanks today as people went down to the water and they said Jesus reached into their life and he got, grabbed a hold of them and he rescued them out of the place that they were at. Why? Because he's a good God, and he loves to do that for his kids. Now, Paul says, listen, you need to hear this message, and you need to receive it, and you need to stand in it. Why is it important to understand the gospel? Well, it's possible for you to believe a gospel that's not the gospel. It's possible for you to believe the good news that is somebody else's good news that's not the good news of Jesus Christ. So Paul says, listen, be careful what you preach. Be careful what you believe because you have to be able to stand in this thing that actually brings you to the point of salvation and rescue so that you can be in relationship with Jesus. That takes us to number two. Number two, I think this is what Paul would say to us. The gospel has a center that cannot be removed. The gospel has a center that cannot be removed. What is the center of the gospel? The center of the gospel is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
that Jesus Christ came, that he lived a sinless life and died for us on the cross, was buried in the tomb, and then he was resurrected on the third day by the power of God, symbolizing once and for all that God the Father has authority over everything, sin and death, and it is by that resurrection of Jesus that we come into relationship with the Father once again, because he has actually done the work that we couldn't do. Paul says, listen, be careful that you don't miss the center of the gospel. There are a lot of other things that you can believe. There are a lot of other opinions that you can have. There are a lot of other teachings that some people are this way and that way, and it doesn't really matter. But at the core of the gospel is the message that Jesus Christ raised from the dead. His physical body came back to life and demonstrated God's power over death. And today it's very possible and it's very common to believe a gospel that is something less than that core of the gospel that Paul is talking about. Very popular today, they call it progressive Christianity, they call it many different things, but there's, there's those who are peddling a version of the gospel that is maybe a little bit easier to receive. It's a little bit less challenging. It's, it's a little bit more uh, attractive to those who have a hard time with their mind of figuring out whether or not Christ really raised from the dead. And so what they, that what they will preach is a gospel that doesn't really center itself on the death and resurrection of Jesus. It doesn't really center itself on your fallenness and your need for salvation. It basically forgets that you and I need a savior because we're messed up and we are hopeless without him. It, and it, it sort of allows us to sort of believe this, this gospel that's a kind of a feel-good message that, hey, you know, the Lord loves you and he'll make a way for you no matter what you do. And Paul says, hey, look out, guys. You look out that you don't go too far from the center. Look out that you don't end up believing something that doesn't actually, at the end of the day, save you, and you actually believe something less. He says, don't ever get too far away from the cross. Don't, get, don't ever get too far away from the resurrection of Jesus, because it is him that has saved us. Number three, no resurrection, I think Paul says, no point. No resurrection, no point. 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 14 says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. I want you to be able to stand with the firm confidence that Jesus Christ has saved you and rescued you out of the dominion of darkness and he has brought you in to his marvelous light. The way that you stand there is you make sure that you're standing firmly on the center of the gospel, that it's not your works, it's not who you are, it's not how good you are, it's not what you've tried to do. On your worst day or your best day, it is Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ that can save you. That there's nothing that you can do that could ever get you into the gates of heaven. This is by his work and his work alone and all we must do is throw ourselves onto his grace because it is only by his power that we can be saved. And if we don't have his salvation, we don't have anything, we're in trouble, we might as well close up shop. Now, he goes on in verse 20, he goes on to talk about what it means that Christ resurrected because there's something that it means for you and for me. So let's look at this in verse 20. It says this, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, he's speaking of Adam, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. 
but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Let me just make a few comments here. The first is this, that the resurrection of Christ, this is what Paul is teaching here, has set in motion the inevitability that God is moving things toward a conclusion. What Christ's resurrection today declares is that we are not stuck in an endless loop in the earth. We, we don't believe that somehow we're just, our soul comes down. We don't believe in this karma thing. Our soul comes down, and then we do a little work, and we die, and then it comes back again. We're not stuck in a historical thing that never is going to have an end. We actually know that there is a God of the universe that is moving things towards the conclusion, that he knows the end, and he knows the beginning, and he's moving things forward. And what Jesus Christ does for us is it demonstrates that God has come into time it has come into history, and he has established once and for all that he is at work in time and in history, and he's moving things forward, and they're coming to a conclusion. We're not going to be stuck forever here, thank God. There is actually some place that history is going. We may look around, and we may wonder when it's going to happen, when you're going to come back, Lord. What's the story? What's the meaning of this and that? I just want to tell you what we can have confidence in is that he is working things out. He is moving things forward. He is at work in history, in your life, and in mine. Secondly, the resurrection of Christ absolutely guarantees the resurrection of all those who are in Christ. Paul says when he says Christ is the first fruits, what he's saying is like it's a seal and a promise that you who are in Christ will also be resurrected in the same way that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. That you don't have to worry about what uh, your future holds if you are in Christ because Jesus has put his seal and his stamp on you and the same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives inside of you in the power of the Holy Spirit and you in fact will too be resurrected just like Jesus was resurrected, and it's the kind of resurrection that we want. It's not this kind of zombie craziness of people walking around on what's going on, half a tooth and half an eye and all that kind of stuff. Number three, Christ was raised by the power of God, which demonstrates God has absolute authority over all things, especially death. How do you kill death? For us, for humans, death is the sort of the ultimate barrier we know that everybody is going to die. That's an immutable, unavoidable fact of life. And we know that in ourselves, it just feels wrong that we're going to die. We have this yearning desire for life after death because I think God planted it on each of us. He didn't actually make us to die. He made us the kind of souls that would live and would live forever. And so we walk around knowing that we're meant for something different but we see the inevitability of death all around us. We see it working in our own bodies and the bodies of those around us. And we know this it just seems like the greatest enemy, this, the thing that's robbing everything is death itself. And we've experienced that before. And what Paul says is, hey, listen, guys, what Christ has demonstrated in this moment of resurrection is that God has authority over even this great enemy of 
death, that because Christ was raised from the dead by the power of God, he too has power over every enemy, over every authority in the earth, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, including death itself. And that he has power over every situation in your life, over every question that you're being faced with, over every crisis you will ever walk through, that the God we serve is the God that has power and control and authority over every situation, and we can walk in confidence because Jesus has said so that his resurrection has established, I can be confident because even though I die, I will live. Even though I face circumstances I don't understand, God understands and he's in control and he's in power. He's the ultimate judge and he's the ultimate authority. So I'm no longer gonna be afraid of death. I'm no longer gonna be afraid of the circumstances that are ahead of me. I'm I'm no longer afraid of the unknowns. Why? Because I know the one who knows. Because I know the King of Kings and the Lord of lords. Now, Paul goes on and he talks about, I got to preach this fast, guys. I can't, I, can't, I can't slow down. I don't have enough time. He talks about your resurrection body. And this is important because you need to understand the kind of resurrection body that you're going to have. Verse 35, he says this, someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body do they come with, right? I mean, I think we would want to know that question. Are, are, are we going to have a horror show at the end of time with, you know, half animated flesh that, that doesn't really work? And Paul, and Paul says, you foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. He goes back to uh, an agricultural analogy, and he starts to talk to people who understand that you put seed in the ground if you're gonna grow fruit, if you're gonna have some, a harvest, and that little seed, that little kernel of wheat or whatever, whatever it is, it doesn't really look like that, that ultimate plant. And as a matter of fact, it has to die in order for it to live, it has to go into the ground, and this little seed that doesn't look anything like the plant that's gonna come to it is what produces the fruit on the other side. He says, but God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, that is, it's going to fade away, but what is raised is imperishable. It's immortal, it's everlasting. It is sown in dishonor, right? It's gone down into the ground and buried in dirt, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. We bury weak, dead things. We don't bury living things. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Two quick things here I think that Paul wants us to catch is that when it comes to our resurrection, number one, your resurrection body will in fact be different than your current body. How many of you can say, thank God for that? All of your creaks and groans and moans and pains, all of your wrinkles and sags and all of the things that are not working will work once again. Thank God that the body that we get, our resurrection body, does in fact reflect 
and look somewhat like our other body, but it's a new body. There will be no weakness. There will be no limitations of the flesh. There will be no pain. All, I, all the ways that our body betrays us as we get older, thank God we're going to get a new body. It's going to look good. We're not going to have to worry about putting on mascara and all the things that we do because it's going to be beautiful. It's actually going to come to life in a way that's imperishable and has glory all over it. Then secondly, so it's just, it's your, it's different than your current body. It's better, thank God, but it's also similar to your current body. So it's not going to be something else entirely. When we think of Jesus and what is told of his resurrection body, I think we actually begin to see what ours will be like. When Jesus returned in his resurrection body, they recognized him. They knew it was him, uh, and, and he even would eat fish on the beach with them one morning, he has breakfast with his disciples, which I'm thank, thankful to the Lord that we're going to get to eat some good food in heaven. I don't think it's going to be necessary for uh, our sustenance. It's not like we're going to get hungry because our body does, is not going to need it, but I think we're going to be able to enjoy it. And so there's some similarities there, but he could also walk through walls. Right? So he could appear and move in very quick ways. And so the body is similar, but it's also different than our current existence in a current body. But I, I, you will have a body. God actually made you to be in a body for the rest of time. And the body that is right now a burden to you will be a gift to you in the next life. Right? The body that is so often something that betrays you and you carry around and, and the flesh that sometimes we curse. And we say, man, why do you make me do this? Why am I so weak? Why do I have to drag you around? In the, next, in the next life, our body will be a joy for us because it will do what it's supposed to do in its resurrected form, in its glorious form. Now, let me just end with uh, the last verses here, uh, verses 50 through 57, and talk to you about when death dies. This is a passage of, of scripture that will often be read at funerals, one of the greatest, uh, I would say, preachings or homilies on uh, the victory of Jesus Christ. He simply says this, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, that means when Jesus returns, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you this morning that when Christ returns, we will all be changed. It says in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, all that which was imperishable, all that was, was perishable and broken and weak will be clothed in immortality. That suddenly that which was in the ground and buried and it's been years and years and years will come now a new life that God will actually clothe and robe us in a new type of flesh, the flesh that is suited for immortality for eternity with him in heaven.
And the second thing is, is that the death of death is the ultimate redemption of all creation. The greatest victory, the greatest symbol of victory that God has given to us is that he has killed death. The sting of death, the Apostle Paul says, is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we are no longer bound by the power of death because Christ has won victory over death. And the final enemy that, that God will put under his feet for all time is the enemy of death. And there will be a, a, a new age that is ushered in when death no longer has hold over humanity because God himself will take it from us and crush it under his feet. What a beautiful expectation that we have that though we're weak, though we're challenged in this time, in this flesh, in this body, though we see all around us the decay and the sickness and the realities of the brokenness of death and sin, the result of that, that we will in fact see the day when Jesus comes and once and for all puts it under his feet. Now I love how he ends this chapter because it's a very kind of heady chapter. We're up in the clouds in a lot of ways, right? We're talking about the future and eternity in heaven and what it's going to be like. But, but he ends it with a very, very practical verse in, in verse 58. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers. Now, therefore basically means as a result of all of what I've just told you, as a result of all this new information that you have about your resurrection body that you're going to have at the end of time when Jesus comes back, he says, this is what you're supposed to do with it. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Would you, would you read that with me? I think it's just so important for us to remember this is what we're to do in light of knowing that Jesus is returning for us. He says this, let's read it together. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Paul says, after all of this, what I want you to do is I want you to live faithfully. This is how I wrote it down. Keep being faithful to the Lord today because God is in charge. Keep being faithful to the Lord today because God is in charge. Keep forgiving, keep repenting, keep saying no to sin and yes to Jesus. Keep listening to his direction and to his life and to his word. Keep being faithful in the midst of difficult moments that you don't have the answer to in the crisis that you're facing. Keep walking towards the way that he has called us to walk towards. Keep serving, keep giving, keep loving, keep honoring, keep being humble when you want to be proud. Keep being a submitted when you want to yell and be rebellious. Keep being kind and compassionate when everything within you wants to get your own way and wants to create some other kinds of noise. Keep being faithful, always abounding in the work of the Lord. There's something about a people who decide that they're going to embrace the life of Christ today in their, in their heart and in their mind. One of the mistakes that the Corinthian church made was they, they kept expecting the future 
right now. And they kept living as if it was already done. But I wanna tell you, the doing is right now. What you have in your hands, in your life, your personal life, your family, your spouse if you're married, your kids if you've got kids, your work if you're doing work, your studies if you're a student, that thing that you have in front of you is the key to living daily in the life of Christ. It's the key to seeing his life inside of you. The resurrection that's to come can be experienced right now in every day. See, that's the gospel. The gospel is not only that he's come to save you in the future, he's come to save you right now. He's not only come to rescue and give you a new body tomorrow in that day and that comes and when the trumpet sounds, he's come right now to give you life and life abundant. He's come to give you power over sin and victory over your flesh today because of his mighty power that lives inside of us. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead, where is it today? In all those who have Jesus Christ in their hearts. Would you stand to your feet with me? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just, just actually, just for a moment, just close your eyes right now. And, and let's just each in our own way, just begin to say thank you to the Lord. Just maybe quietly, just right where you're at. Lord, thank you for your life. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you, God, that even right now you are here present with us. That even though, Lord, we're facing many difficult circumstances, the unknowns of the future, even though we're dealing with weakness in our bodies, we're dealing with crises around us, we know a God that is in control of all things. He's a God that is all-powerful. We take heart today. We're encouraged today, Lord, because you're in control, that you ultimately, Lord, are over all things, that you, in fact, Lord, have defeated death and you will finally crush it under your feet, that, Lord, you're at work today in the midst of us. Lord, I just pray right now for every man and every woman, every child that's here in this place and that's within the sound of my voice, Lord, that there will be a greater awareness of your presence. That, Lord, even right now as we reach out, you might just lift up your hands just in a way of saying, I'm reaching out for your power, Lord. I'm reaching out for your touch. I'm reaching out for your help. I'm reaching out for your healing. I'm reaching out for what you have. Lord, we want the resurrection power of Jesus not to just be a nice idea. We're not just trying to come to church to be encouraged for a moment. We want to be different, God. We want to be filled with your spirit. We want to experience the resurrection even today. And so, Lord, I just pray for our brothers and sisters in the name of Jesus from the left to my right that they would be filled with the fullness of the knowledge of God, that your presence would be made perfect, Lord, in their weakness, that your reality would chase them all the days of their life. Lord, I pray a blessing on them that in the name of Jesus as they go out today with the encouragement that you're at work in their hearts, that they would continue to say yes to you. They would continue to say yes to the good news that you have come, that you have died, that you've resurrected so that we could live different. Would you empower them, God, to walk in your power and in your strength? We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can join us in person on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. or online at the same times, including Saturday and Sunday at 6 p.m. Visit our website at kchamford.com. Koinonia Church, where we are igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all.